The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There are entrepreneurs and business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're also giving back to the community, and so can you. Welcome to Be More, Achieve More, inspiration for the entrepreneurial mind with host Chris Cooper. If you are looking to make the most of yourself and your business, then you will want to stay tuned for the next hour. Here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper, BeMoreAchieveMore.com and CC1Consulting.com. Delighted to be with you for yet another week. Uh, This is, I think, the 114th show now in the uh, uh, that I've produced within uh, Voice America. Uh, so the show today is about engagement, and it's about what it takes to be an engaging leader. And uh, before I introduce my guest uh, today, Stuart Pickles, um, I'd like to say a big thank you. I mean, I normally thank my guest, and uh, I realized my guest last week was actually me uh, talking about talent development. So I'm going to um, thank my host, uh, David Bassett, who was from Leeds Metropolitan University and interviewed me about talent development, and I thought he did a really great job. Uh, this week's uh, been a, I don't know, a wonderful surprise, actually. I hope you've had a, a good week. Um, as uh, With a colleague of mine, Dr. Stephen Levinson, we've, we've secured a really great uh, uh, publisher for our book, and uh, we did that with only four weeks, within only four weeks, and by sending a single letter to a top agent who signed us up within a week and came back with an offer from a great publisher within 10 days, which I think is pretty amazing. Uh, Steve wrote the note, so I'm not going to claim and, um, and did the lion's share of the work around the proposal. Um, but you know, he, he engaged, he, the letter engaged, and uh, it just shows how uh, if you produce something that is engaging, it can capture people's imagination. So we're going to talk today about what it takes to be a really engaging leader. Some leaders seem to have it, don't they? Um, But some simply don't. And on this show, I'm delighted to be exploring this issue with a client and friend, Stuart Pickles, who knows more than most about the importance of being an engaging leader. I first met Stuart several years ago at an event, and I always remember he bought me a beer. I think I still owe him one, actually. And we realized that we had quite a bit in common. We both worked in the, um, the, the drinks industry, and we, I realized that uh, looking back on that, it was a very engaging conversation. And what I've since realized is that the guy knows about how to engage people. Uh, that's what he talks about now. Stuart is an ex-chief financial officer and a coach. He spent 25 years in senior leadership positions in finance, sales and transformation, including Unilever, Kraft and Fosters, where he was the chief financial operator for uh, their European operations. He's a qualified accountant, and he developed a passion for leadership and motivating people. It took a a life-changing experience, I think, um, around uh, being coached himself to realize this and it led to him becoming a coaching champion while still the CFO at Foster's and led to the creation of a coaching performance culture and doubling the bottom line profit. This stuff works. 
His story has been the subject of various articles on coaching at work. Outside the UK, he's lived and worked in Japan, Australia, and Asian, Asia, and he's fluent in Japanese. Stuart now runs Aim Higher Leadership Limited, coaching leaders and teams across a wide variety of clients, sectors, and continents. His clients are all corporate companies. He speaks about leadership, innovation, change, and engagement. He's a youth rehabilitation charity trustee. He coaches youth rugby. He has a Cambridge law degree. He's a qualified coach and member of the Association for Coaching. I know from experience that he has a tremendous story to share to help us all become engaging leaders. So a big welcome to Stuart Pickles. Thank you, Chris. My goodness, that's a very, uh, a very generous introduction. <laughs> you're, you're very welcome and uh, all are completely justified and, and earned. <laughs> <laughs> so do you want to tell us whereabouts you, you are at the moment? Uh, what part of Great Britain? Yes, I'm calling you from uh, Gloucestershire, so uh, just, just north of Cheltenham and uh, looking out at the glorious sunshine and actually um, lots of uh, young lambs springing around in the field opposite. So um, it's, uh, it's a beautiful day here. Oh, lovely, it is here as well. Which is, uh, so do you want to tell us a little bit about, about yourself and why being an engaging leader has become so important to you? <coughs> yeah, I was thinking about where to start, actually. Um, uh, I, I was on a management course um, went very, very early on, just um, soon after being a graduate, and um, and they had a prize-giving ceremony at the end, and uh, I was certain I was going to get something. You know, I'd, I was so confident. I was um, one of those kind of young, arrogant graduates. You've probably come across them. Um, <laughs> and the, uh, so the first prize is awarded, and, and then the second one, and then third. And then the magic moment came, Stuart Pickles. So I swaggered up to the stage. You know, this is my Oscar moment. And um, I'm sure the guy with the mic must have had, said a couple of nice things about me, but uh, I have absolutely no idea what they were because he then went behind the lectern and he handed me these two big rubber ears. And the whole room roared with laughter. <laughs> and, uh, oh, my God, you know, what an idiot. Uh, what a lesson as well. And um, I really didn't realize I was totally, this was a blind spot. Um, I, had, I had no idea. And it got me thinking a lot about listening. And, you know, I go back to that point because then, you know, many years later, um, when I became a CFO, and um, in fact, I got to the first part of you know, a really difficult um, time in my career when we'd made an acquisition and the, the wheels were falling off, to be honest, the business was in a terrible state. And I was very, very stressed. And, and I was lucky because that's when I had my first coaching experience. And um, the, 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 my coach, he was instrumental in getting some feedback for me. And there it was again, you know, the same thing, the same kind of thing. I, th I thought that I had learned a lot in, about listening and, and had, had kind of turned that around. But obviously, at, at, at that more senior level, listening becomes ever more increasingly a crucial skill. And, um, and I still wasn't listening enough. That was the bottom line. And, um, yeah, it was, it was like seeing myself again for the first time. And um, so, uh, yeah, and I was, what, what, what lay behind it was that you know, I was driving so hard for success. I was, it was a relentless focus and drive on results. And it was all the grind and all the stress and all the blame. Um, but my coach got me to really step back and he asked me some very you know, searching questions and about where my life was going and what was most important to me and, um, and just did some very, very deep listening. And uh, it, was, uh, it was a bit like being listened to um, by my mum you know, when I was seven years old and I was uh, sitting on the table at home when I'd come home from school and she just used to ask me what kind of a day I'd had. And uh, so that was, um, that was the turning point, really, and um, that led uh, on uh, to all the changes that I made both um, becoming much more focused on coaching in the business, becoming a coaching champion, and now and now doing leadership coaching. Great, and that's 
you know, that's quite an interesting move because you know for people who maybe have a financial background, not every person with a financial background really does see the benefit of coaching people. No, there were there were certainly quite a few sceptics. You know, what's the CFO um, doing? Uh, you know, focusing on all this kind of soft and fluffy stuff. But I think I think as time went by, people began to realise, and it was the, it really was the results of the business really did transform, and the whole the whole atmosphere of the business transformed. So this was back at Foster's, and yeah, I guess that that was really the the, the, the point at which people really began to come on board, and um, and now it's 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 great because you're right, there aren't a lot of uh, ex CFOs who who focus on this, and when we go and see clients now, well, I think a lot of people. Um, around the business know this stuff is important but um, it's quite difficult to get the the CFO and the CEO to to invest in it so you know preparing a business case for example um, is quite a difficult challenge for some you know and and so that's one of the things that I manage I think I can help people with because um, you know I know I've I've had that sort of I've had to deal with those skeptics and turn them around. And how much of a problem do you think you know this uh, a lack of engagement and you maybe should define what you mean by engagement actually is in businesses today? Yeah, look, I mean, I think um, I think a lot of people will know uh, about the recent Gallup survey that's been done um, globally, actually, across a lot of countries. The, um, the survey in the U.S. said that, that 26% of people um, are actively disengaged. So these are the people who would go out of their way to sabotage and really damage the reputation of their company. Perhaps more worryingly still, a further six, 56% um, are not engaged. So they're not actively disengaged, but they're not actively engaged either. So in other words, they're just going through the motions. They're kind of treading water. So that says that just 18% of people are actually engaged and really driving the business forward. So if you think about it as a rowing boat, you know, one of those uh, Olympic 8 rowing boats, you know, the two at the front are rowing hard, but the four in the middle aren't rowing at all, and the two at the back are trying to sink the boat. So... Uh, and Gallup have done an estimate that says this is costing the U.S. economy $400 billion a year. And as an ex-finance guy, I'm curious to know how they um, calculated that. <laughs> but I think, we, I think we all know that intuitively, you know, if, um, if the American economy is that boat, it kind of makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. How do you think some leaders get it badly wrong? Well, another interesting um, statistic that came out of that, which uh, 50% of people say that their boss is, is unreasonable, um, and 24% of them would um, say that they would fire their boss if they could, um, and even forego a pay rise in the process. So um, it's, it's incredible, isn't it? And, and yet, when you speak to, um, to, to, to bosses themselves, 80% of them say that they, they're, they're a good manager. So there's this complete disconnect, and it comes back to what I was describing earlier about my own kind of discovery of that blind spot is um, it is that there are a lot of blind spots and uh, unfortunately um, especially as leaders get um, further up the organization they succeed they uh, they are based upon the results that they achieve and they begin to become I think a little bit impervious to feedback so if they had blind spots in the first place it even gets harder um, for them to get to to really open up and to believe and to realize that maybe they they, they, they need to make some change as well mm. and do you, do you think it's possible to get um, to you know very senior businesses in organisations and be you know, a, a highly engaging leader. You know, I I, I do believe that that uh, anybody can do this. Uh, of course, some people do it naturally much more than others. But um, but this is the um, I suppose the privilege and, and and the pleasure of the work that I do is that I I, I do uh, either find leaders who themselves realise that they need to step back and and. and and realise, or, or else there are other people around them that, that uh, strongly persuade them to do so, and then, 
and then it, a lot of it's it really is so much of it's just about awareness uh, it is just realizing that, uh, that other people's perceptions might be slightly different to yours and then and maybe you know you need to get that feedback from more than one place to to really accept it and and then understand so well if this is really the case then this is really stopping me from being an effective leader um, and if I were to make a change, then I, I could be a lot more effective. And, and very quickly, you can get people to being very motivated to make the change. And, and you know, talking to people quite often, especially in the bigger organizations, these are very talented, capable people. So once they're motivated and they realize about a change they need to make, they, they, can, be, they can very quickly make change. Mm, great. We've got, only got about a minute and a half left until we go to commercial break. So mm. I'm not giving you much time for this question. We'll con- we can continue it after the break. Maybe you yeah. can start it. Because I, I love that story about the ears. Oh, yes. <laughs> and I wonder, how do you suggest that leaders can assess whether they actually listen enough? Yeah, there's there's one um, kind of model I use for, for listening, <clears throat> which says that there are kind of different levels of listening. And, and at, the, at, the, at the lowest level, uh, there's no listening going on at all. It's, it's ignoring. And I'm sure we've all had uh, bosses who... Uh, it sometimes feel as though that's how they're listening to us. If you go one step up from that, then there's what you call pretend listening. So this is when you get the body language, perhaps, that would suggest that uh, somebody's listening, and maybe even the facial expressions. And but actually, they're not. They're just uh, they're just thinking about what they're going to say next, or, or you know, what are we going to have for lunch? Mm-hmm. Um, you, you might get to then a point where a bit more listening is ha- actually happening, but you might still only be selective listening. So this is when people are listening out for what they want to hear, you know, in terms of validating and and uh, their own opinions and their own views. Um, their own ideas and it's only when you get above that level that um, you know what you might call really attentive listening and um, that's the level that it's actually very hard to stay there though if you imagine yourself in a meeting and you're talking to somebody as soon as they say something of course you start thinking about what they've said you start trying to process that so that immediately gets in the way of you being able to give you know full 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 attention and I think this is a lot of what's going on leaders often feel as though they've got to come up with solutions so they're always thinking um, about uh, what the answers are, and they're not actually standing back and listening. I don't know if we've got to the point where we should stop for the break, and then I'll come back and talk to you about the, the best listening of all. Fantastic. Perfect uh, timing. We're going to get to special <laughs> break now, and then we should be back with you again in just a couple of minutes. Okay. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high-potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. We spend 70% of our week in the office. What is the difference between enjoying your job and enduring it? The number one motivator is a positive work environment. And that's where Real Recognition Radio comes in. Join your hosts, Roy Saunderson and S. Max Brown, as they take a look at the positive factors of the workplace, such as employee rewards, recognition, incentives, and much more. Tune in to Real Recognition Radio, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. 
We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with host Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Stuart Pickles, and we're talking about what it takes to be an engaging leader. And Stuart, before the break, you were, you were just about to uh, come on and, and talk about um, the best listening of all. So do you want to share that with us now? That's right. So I'll just remind everybody. So you go from ignoring to pretend listening to selective listening to attentive listening, really, when you're listening to everything that somebody's saying. But there is a level above that, um, and, and that's empathetic or empathic listening. And, and that's, that's listening out not only for everything that somebody is saying, but it's, it's listening for why. What's, uh, what, what, why are they saying what they're saying? Because very often it's not what people say that's important. It's actually why why they're saying it and uh, and it's incredibly difficult i think we all know this to stay at that level um of not just total attention but total empathy with people um but that ultimately i think is at the heart of what we mean by engaging uh, being an engaging leader and and engaging people if we really truly listen and listen empathetically not just attentively um to what's going on for people what's going on in the business um not only do we uh, you know that's a very motivational experience i don't know if you've ever been on the receiving end of it um but we all know don't we i think um we all know leaders who uh who who do this and or do it better and do it more and it makes such an impact and and i mean the other interesting thing of course is that when you do listen that empathetically you you discover an awful lot about what's going on in the business um which enables you to have a better understanding of what needs to you know what, what might need to change as well when that listening is really present, you know, on both sides, you know, it it, it can be quite a powerful moment, can't it? You, you know, suddenly, you, like you, like conversation we had a long time ago. You know, we got very engaged in conversation quite quickly over a beer, and uh, you know, those those moments don't always happen that frequently unless people are good at this. You know, every, everybody's in such a rush, and um, as I said to you, you know, leaders, especially you know, the further up the organisation you go, there's this constant focus and drive on results, isn't there? And and there's just not time to stop, and and it does take it does take uh, a kind of special kind of effort to to separate yourself from all of that pressure, and to create that time and that space because it does it does take time, and. Um, so yeah, that's uh, and and uh, it's interesting. You know, you're alluding to that. This we all know what this feels like. It's not just in the work environment or you know in the corporate world, the corporate leaders. This is this is relevant to all of our lives. It's um, it's certainly as small businesses and entrepreneurs, um, and even all of us in our in our home and family lives. The, uh, how how empathetically are we listening to the people around us? Sometimes we do, um, but uh, I think there's many times when we know if we're, we put our hands on our hearts, you know, we know we're not doing that and. Uh, it's um, it's it's it takes yeah. It's, there's a, there's a, everybody's talking a lot about mindfulness um, at the moment is a big uh, theme which a lot of people are talking about, and I think that's another element in this in terms of how to 
really stop yourself and um, to really focus on the moment and focus on, you know, the people who are with you. Yeah, absolutely right. So it was about a week ago, I was talking with a client who said she was going to a mindfulness course, and then I, I came home, my wife was uh, just got a, a mindfulness book come through the post. So you're absolutely right, it seems to be in vogue, doesn't it? No, it is, it is. And uh, I know, you know, um, this is something that's been around for a long time. The BIS will say that uh, it's been around for a very long time, and, and they'll be right. And uh, I think it's great, but I think it's, you know, what's interesting is that it's a, it's a, it's a response if you want to stand back a little bit and think about, you know, the challenges that society faces as well as just in business and organizations. Um, you know, there's this kind of overload of information and, um, and of constant sort of always having to be connected. And so there's never any time for us to have natural time out. So I think it's, um, I think it's a tool that's kind of arrived and, and it's having its moment. You, you mentioned uh, that you, you have a family. I mean, and, and I know you've got a family of four children. I have. <laughs> What's that taught you about being an engaging leader? Well, it's interesting because uh, I think uh, at a number of at a number of times through my kind of career and life, as as my children have grown up, it, there's been a number of times when the family, and I'm sure anybody uh, who's got a family will know this, is that we do, we do sometimes focus ourselves so much on our work, and um, and we, we we can forget not just about the people around us at work, but we forget about the people at home as well. And um, so I found, you know, my children were very uh, demanding of my attention, and um, and and at, at certain times when I, I found that a fantastic way of pulling myself away from my work, and um, and just got me to connect with them on a human level, and and. And, you know, what we were just talking about, that experience of, of engaging and connecting with even your own children, it's a reminder that you know, this is how it can feel. This is how it can feel to engage with, with people, whether it's your children, family or, or colleagues at work. So, and uh, when I was, you know, when I was having my coaching as well, uh, I think it's true that the benefits that I, um, that I got from that were as many, if not more, in terms of getting myself back to being focused on um, engaging with my family and my, my children um, as well. I'm not sure if they'd agree with that, but uh, I, I'm pretty sure it's true. Well, I guess if you're not doing it at work, it's a, you know, there's a chance that you're not doing it at home as well. Exactly. Uh, we can get out of balance, can't we? Uh, I mean, do, do, we, um, do we need to look inside ourselves really deeply to be an engaging leader? Because you've started to talk about some quite deep things. You're talking about mindfulness. Um, you know, have you, I, know you, I know you have been reflecting more on your upbringing and things like that as you've got older. Is, is that important to that, have that deep reflection? Yes, I think I think that's true, and and yeah, obviously the work that I do does um, does cover uh, you know there's a realm of, of, of psychological discipline involved in the work that we do as coaches, and uh, it's it's that's very important from my own personal perspective. Um, you know, I had a my father sadly um, died. In fact, he he committed suicide when I was 21, and I learned a lot from that. And I think that the you know it was a it was a very difficult time, but what and I've reflected on this so much over the years since then. Um, that he he was one of those people who got, who who focused very much on his own world, and he 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 almost allowed himself to become a bit of an island. Um, and uh, I guess that is, let's face it, the opposite of, of of what engaging, you know, what what engagement really means. And he could engage with people, but he didn't for a lot of the time. He he and he he held this kind of belief that you know what was really important is that you could survive and that you didn't have to rely on anybody else. And uh, I am a. I think beliefs can have a big impact on 
what drives um, how we how we are and how we behave in, in the world. And, and I, I, I operate out of a very different belief, which is that uh, it's okay to, to have to rely on other people and need other people because uh, it's actually ultimately we don't get results in life through um, without other people. And especially in business and as leaders, this is the other mistake that leaders make is that they feel that they have to have all the answers. They have to um, they, they have to be able to have all the ideas. And, and of course, that's never going to happen. You, know, you, you get results through other people. And, and I think the, the guiding principle for me is, you know, the more you focus on people, the more you get results. That if, there, if I could sum up all of the learning from all of the, the all of those experiences that I had, um, you know, that's that's the that's the number one. And I have to say, if my mum ever listens to this recording, um, that she was very much the opposite actually, and she was somebody who has always put people first. And uh, I think uh, we all have um, people in our lives and our families families and uh, role models who you know we can learn from both uh, in terms of uh, the positive and also you know what can what, you know what we can do differently mm. yeah. yeah well so, best wishes to your mom when she's listening in she uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll send her the uh, the link afterwards and uh, i'm sure she'll be delighted i do so i've, I've enjoyed lo- seeing the photographs in your in your keynote with with you and your mum, and uh, you know you look like you have a very very special relationship you uh, do uh, and uh, you know it's interesting, you know what you what you've shared there very openly, um, which uh, I think is, is is very you know real sort of privilege for you to share some something like that, that is very important to you that generation and and I see that in you know a bit in my father and I certainly saw it in his father it was very much kind of stiff up a lip and not sharing emotions and things like that and mm-hmm. I, I do I do seem to sense now we are the world is faster and uh, and it, at times it can be a bit more money motivated and things like that but actually we do seem to be many of us any anyway getting back to some of the core about what it is to be human i think um yeah i, I think i think it's interesting those those values and those traditions um have changed i think what the challenge that we face is that because we are just all so incredibly busy um is that we just spread ourselves so thinly and then we don't have the um the capacity or the time to um to you know to to, to do this stuff by which you know i mean you know and, and just focus and engage on on the people around us Mm. So what, 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 in your view, are the key principles that we really need to think about to be an engaging leader? Yes, this is something that I've um, spent a lot of time um, thinking about and, and working on, you know, from my experience as I, as, you know, through those 25 odd years in, in business myself. And then since I became a coach and set up the business and, um, and I've done a fair amount of largely desktop research. And um, it's interesting uh, if you Google good boss or bad boss or similar um, there's there's a huge amount of stuff online, and it's uh, it's fascinating to go through it. Um, I, I've come up with five five things, which um, I, I think are at the heart of heart of it. And it's not um, you know this is this is uh, perhaps the contents of a book that I'll write one day. Um, but uh, which and the five things are uh, humility, clarity, empathy, courage, and energy. And uh, we, you know, there's a. I can talk to you about those in more detail. But those, those five things: humility, clarity, empathy, courage, and energy. And um, uh, those, if you can have all of those things, then uh, I challenge you uh, not to be able to uh, be a very effective, engaging leader. Excellent. Well, let's. um, We've just got a couple of minutes, so we can maybe touch on the. We get a break on the first one. So, tell us about humility and how do you become more humble 
Yeah, well, so I, I always love to ask people, you know, who who would be who would you name as a really famous leader who who everybody would agree is is, is a is a truly humble leader? And of course, the names that come to mind usually are people like Mandela um, and Gandhi and and, and similar. Um, and 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 what is it about them? You know, that's the thing that uh, I think is really useful to, to reflect upon. And it's uh, in effect, it's that they are yeah they are serving other people, the service leader concept. Uh, you know, and if we're not serving other people, then People see that very quickly. You know, we're serving ourselves, and and if you're not serving other people, you're serving yourselves. And people really spot that very quickly. So, um, and I think what stops us from being humble is is one word: it's ego. And um, Chris, I don't know um, whether you want me to dive into talking more about ego, or will you have a commercial break first? Uh, I think we'll probably go to commercial break, and then we'll Excellent. we'll talk about ego after the break. So, all right. Um, so, well done with your break management. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an expert at this. <laughs> Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Do you, like most Americans, spend the majority of your life at work? Are you making it the joy that it deserves to be, or are you feeling drained and unfocused? Tune in to A Great Place to Work with hosts Kurt Kaufman and Dr. Kathy Sorensen. Your hosts have more than 30 years of experience in workplace consulting and are ready to bring you the secrets and success stories of businesses who are making their business a great place to work. Listen every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel and enjoy a better workplace and a better life. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with host Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. Hi, it's Chris Cooper. We're talking about what it takes to be an engaging leader. I'm with Stuart Pickles. And Stuart, before the break, you were talking about humility. And uh, you said, you know, you, the, in terms of becoming more humble, there's kind of one key word, and that is ego. So do you want to tell us about uh, ego and maybe how we get the ego out of the way sometimes, perhaps? Yeah, well, let's be clear. I mean, ego is a very important thing, and um, uh, it's, it's, it serves a very important purpose in terms of... Um, you know, for all of us, but um, there's a great psychological model. I don't know if you've uh, if you've heard of it, but it basically it really explains this really simply. So it says that there's like an outside of, of a hard layer of like nail varnish um, around this big ball. If you can imagine this big ball in front of you, and um, the, but then what hides underneath that is a whole load of horse manure, mm. and uh, this horse manure is is all of our insecurities, our anxieties. Um, you know all of that that, that stuff that where we say that we're not good enough. Um, but what's great and and that that outer surface, if you like, is is, is a nail varnish which puts a kind of a polish, a kind of a, a gloss on on what is you know stuff that which isn't really all that good. 
But then at the core, the great thing about this model is that there's this diamond. Uh, and this diamond is our true inner self, which is, which is powerful, which is beautiful and, and, and very valuable. Um, and so, you know, what we need to do is to wash away the horse manure. And uh, so break through and through, break through that sort of outer layer and, and wash away the horse manure to really allow people to see our, our true self. And I just love that model. It works. Um, it really sums it up for me. And I think when you see a truly humble leader, uh, you know there's no horse manure. Um, getting in the way it's just uh, it's just the people are seeing your true diamond and, and that's the question isn't it what stops us from letting other people see uh, our true diamond what's the horse mirror that's um, that we're allowing to get in the way so in the summary you're saying get rid of your crap <laughs> <laughs> perfectly put <laughs> so uh, what do you then mean by clarity how do we get more clarity yeah it's okay so clarity so um I, don't know, I love swimming in the sea, and I, uh, I've, I've had the good fortune of living by the sea for, for some chunks of my life. And it always amazes me, you know, even just with, the gog- with your goggles on, you can so incredibly clearly see a whole world under there that everybody else who's on the shore, um, they just miss that completely. Um, but even on the, the same sea, uh, on one day it can be clear like that, but then the next day a storm brews and you go into the sea and you can hardly see, you know, your hand in front of you. And, and that's the difference that people experience in organizations. Some leaders calm the waters and, and really allow it to be totally clear. And others kind of you know, wade in and make it murkier and even more complicated. There's no focus or prioritization. Everybody's stuck in the weeds. You know, they can't see the wood for the trees. So, um, so that's, that's another kind of metaphor, if you like, for, for, for what, what, what do we mean by clarity and especially in, for a leader. Um, and, and so what can you do? Well, you know, it's, about, it's just about standing back and making time. I, I'm a firm believer that anybody can create clarity. And you know, it's about creating quality time um, to, to, to paint a simple picture of, of what you're trying to do and what success looks like and all of that and concentrate on, you know, why are we doing things, um, you know, as, as what, you know, now the way we're doing them, but don't get, don't wallow in the process. And, um, and then, and then it's about thinking and communicating thoughtfully and consistently, you know, who needs to know what, when, and, and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, and I do, um, I always amazes me um, that some organizations, they'll have a strategy, for example, and they'll, what they communicate to their uh, state shareholders and their investors is exactly how they communicate it to, um, to their organization, to their employees, two completely different audiences. And so clarity is about having the right message for the right audience. And, um, and then the other thing I love is, is I hear leaders say to me, you know, Stuart, I've, I've told them, I've, I've already told them, why don't they get it, you know? And I say, yeah, you're right, you've told them and um, you've got to tell them again. And, and again, um, you know, you've got to communicate. They, there's this rule of thumb that says communicate it seven times in seven different ways and people might get the message. Again, you know, everybody's living in a world where there's so much information out there. Um, it, the, the challenge of leaders, leadership now uh, to get a message across to your employees is harder than ever because people are so distracted by everything else that's going on. So, um, yeah, so that's what we mean by clarity. Mm. Did, I mean, it must be interesting sort of communicating with clarity in Japanese <laughs> I know you speak yes. fluent Japanese, and um, some of the principles that we're sort of sharing here. I wonder if some of those, are any of those, influenced by your Japanese experience? Yeah, you know that's a very interesting question. Um, obviously, when you don't speak a language perfectly, and I, I kind of got to I don't know somewhere eighty, ninety percent with Japanese. So there was always for me a little bit of lack of clarity, <laughs> having to listen ever so much more attentively, again, um, to understand what people are saying. So the difference, I think what's interesting there is the difference between speaking a foreign language and speaking your own language is, um, is just how much more clear that feels. 
Um, I think the principles of, of, of clarity are the same in every language. And, um, you know, uh, using words, of course, you know, it's interesting, isn't it? If you're trying to talk to somebody who doesn't speak your language very well, then using words which are simple um, for them to understand as opposed to words that are not. Um, I guess that's uh, one example of being just really mindful what, um, you know, what using language and using messages and communication that people can understand. Um, I know this is real basic stuff, but uh, it's amazing how uh, in the busy you know, world of leadership and organi- running an organization, you don't think about these things. We sometimes just need to be reminded, don't we? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so how about empathy then? How do you achieve greater levels of it? Yeah, so I go back to a time when um, one of the, uh, you know, I sometimes stop and think, so when did I really experience empathy? That uh, is a good example. And I remember I was, uh, I went in to see my boss and I, I, I thought that I was going in for some good news. And uh, I went in and he sat me down and said, Stuart, I'm afraid this time it's you. Um, I'll never forget those words. What he meant was that he was making me redundant. Um, but I'll, never, I'll also never forget the tears in his eyes when he said it. I knew that he cared very deeply. Um, and to this day, you know, I still have huge respect for him. One of the best leaders I ever had. Um, and he's the guy who fired me. You know, that's, um, that's, say, that's saying something. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in the big moments like that, showing empathy is so powerful. But it's also in the thick of the day-to-day and the turmoil and the pressure. You know, it's important too, isn't it? Finding time for just that little bit of empathy. It's hard. You get so self-absorbed. So, you know, you get quite blinkered. Um, so, uh, yeah, and I think it's just about getting into other people's shoes, looking at the world from their perspective and on a human level. And uh, I always use, like to use the um, the analogy of a, uh, you know, if you're in London, you have a tube map um, and you have an A to Z. I guess um, in, the, in, in New York, you know, that would be the subway and the road map uh, on the surface. And, uh, you know, you'll have two people that will have two different maps and it's the same map of the it's two different maps of the same city and um, you're both looking at uh, the same reality in a different way and I think that's what goes on um, a lot in our lives and sometimes it's just respecting that uh, we've just got different maps of the same reality in the same world and so how much time do we spend stopping and actually looking at other people's maps and how much do we time just banging on saying no no look my map's right you have to go from here to here um, so um, and I think uh, you know in in um, if people's performance and uh, our relationship with them is so important, then surely it's worthwhile investing a bit of time learning more about their map and what makes what makes them tick. Yeah, because <clears throat> there's many situations where both maps will get you to the same destination. Exactly, there are always you know many different routes to get to the same place, and yet sometimes when you when you're only looking at your own map, you, you're convinced that yours is the only version of the truth, and of course that's not that's not true. So I guess empathy involves listening a lot. And yes. Like you mentioned earlier. Yes. I mean, obviously, that's, that's a big part of it, going back to that whole kind of, um, you know, the different levels of listening. And, um, and if, we listen, if we listen at that empathetic level, then, um, you know, we really do hear what really matters for people, what's really going on for them, what are the real issues, what are the root causes. Um, and um, so, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's, all, that's all part of uh, empathy as well. And, yeah, I, mean, I think... You know, it's understanding people's goals as well, and their, you know, their, what, what's where, where are the people trying to head, and um, what are their values, what's most important to them. Um, even again, you know, what, what are their communication styles, and uh, and you know, if you get under the surface, and that may even include understanding more about people's personal lives, um, because let's face it, there's no Chinese walls. We're all, you know, we're all just single human beings. We don't have a work person and a and a, and a home person. Um, and I think, yeah, you're right. It's just about asking the questions and listening, and um, and when you do, people notice. Yes, they do, don't they? And and I suppose it's also with with those different styles of people is, you know, there are styles of people who will be very, very open to sharing 
either their personal life and want to share that information with you. And then there might be those who actually are uncomfortable. So you've got to kind of, I guess, pitch it at the individual and their map of the world, as you've said. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, so how about courage then? And, you know, courage in, from your perspective is courage uh, something that is a behavior that we can learn or is it something that we're born with? Uh, and I absolutely believe that it, it, courage is not an inherited gene. It's it's a technique. And again, you know, we are from our early childhood and you know experiences onwards. Um, I think uh, you know there there is obviously a character trait that people um, develop. Um, but I do believe that uh, it's something you can learn. Um, I uh, when I stop and try and think about the the moment I was most scared in my life, I think it was the, when I was just about to do that bungee jump off uh, off that bridge down in uh, Queenstown in, in New Zealand and um, that feeling of total paralysis and uh, but um, yeah and it's let's face it it's it's uh, it's fear and um, we know that fear can paralyze us you know it stops us from thinking clearly from making decisions and taking action um, and in our work environment and even in life generally it's often hard to admit it, admit it actually I think it's interesting that people don't even like to talk about fear it uh, seems like it's kind of a weakness but uh, you know we know it's there we know it's real and um, and it's how we handle it that's key it's um you know we we have to start by acknowledging it and um, you know courage isn't the absence of fear it's it's the mastery of it so um and i think this is where the the field of sports psychology has had you know such a big um impact and and, and is a fantastically rich resource and i think you're seeing it now much more coming into um business and and leadership as well and um you know we'll we'll uh, those uh, the Brits, the Brits amongst us, uh, will all think about the the moment that Andy Murray won finally won a Wimbledon final for yeah. an English guy to win an a Wimbledon final, and you think what's going on in his mind in those last minutes in that last game, and you know the, the truth is there are all of the the, the great athletes in in, in top sports uh, use these psychological techniques now to overcome their fear. Um, there is you know there is a fear that there'll be there'll be a little voice saying oh I can't do it, but then. You know, there's there's techniques that you can go back and reflect upon. You know, in the big moments, uh, reflecting on on your successes and uh, and just refocusing your mind really on um, you know images, language, um, even movies. You know, you'll talk you'll talk to some sports um, psychologists and sports people who will talk about uh, the movies. I, I think it's one of the. I think it might have been. Um, can't remember which golf player it was now who was talking about. Uh, he used to imagine. The, the shot that he played and, and he played the whole movie in his mind before he played the shot every single shot and um, so yeah that's that's kind of um, you know the, the, the sort of stuff that you need to uh, think about in terms of courage and, uh, and and again coming back to exploring questions about your belief and your perspective and uh, and I think, yeah, the fact is that most of our fear is created by our own imagination. One of my favourite quotes of all is, you know, my life, my life has been full of many terrible disasters, one or two of which actually happened. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, and I think that we can all relate to that. Uh, it's uh, we we do imagine an, an awful lot of things that never happen. And, and if you want to get on in in business, courage is going to be essential, isn't it? Because pe- people people are going to follow a, a, a courageous leader, aren't they? They're not going to follow a cowardly leader very comfortably. So you, you, whether you like it or not, if you want to be successful, you've got to learn to be courageous and do things that put you outside of your comfort. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because if you don't um, <clears throat> master that fear and um, and create some degree of, of, of belief and, and, and security for people, then you're just going to um, cascade that fear down 
uh, into the organisation. And indeed, that's what you see a lot happen, don't you? You hear, um, how many of us have heard leaders talk about the fact, oh, well, you know, if we don't hit our results, then, you know, we're all going to be out of a job or, you know, with and, and all that kind of pressure that constantly comes down on what if we don't achieve this and, 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 and of course, the further up you go in the organisation, the, the greater that burden of responsibility lands on your shoulders. But you're right, then the, the, the more you have to step up to that and and find these resources of, of courage to overcome the fear and um, deal with all of the ambiguity and uncertainty that's out there and to, to create, to nurture an environment where people can feel that, uh, you know, it's going to be okay. We'll, 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 we'll do this. Um, and... Um, and that, I think of all of the things, actually, you're right, in terms of creating an engaging environment and engaging people, um, if you can create that belief, if you can give that sense of, um, uh, you know, not necessarily comfort, I think there's still a need for, for people to feel challenged, but, to you know, a sense of reality, a sense of belief that people can actually, you know, achieve what we're aiming to achieve together. Um, hugely important, yeah. Great. Well, we're going to go to our final commercial break, and uh, after the break, we'll talk more about, um, about energy. Excellent. So we should be back with you again in just a couple of minutes. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Hi, I'm Rebecca Costa, host of the Costa Report every Tuesday at 6 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. This week, my guest is outspoken former congressman and one of our country's most prominent gay public figures, Mr. Barney Frank. He'll be with us to talk about the Supreme Court's ruling on DOMA and how the Obama presidency is doing in its second term. Don't miss Barney Frank this Tuesday at 6 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. on the Voice America Business Channel. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with host Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. 
Hi, this is Chris Cooper. And I do love to hear from you if you want to email me or send any comments to on the show or uh, any suggestions about uh, future shows and things like that, please do. It's always great to to hear from people and engage with people who are listening in. So, uh, Stuart, we were talking before the break. We talked about humility, uh, clarity, empathy, and then we were talking about courage. And I know the fifth point you wanted to talk about was about energy and I wonder, you know, how do you use your energy well and, and how do you increase it? Sometimes we need a bit more. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, kind of, it's kind of, in a sense, it's the most foundational of a lot, isn't it? Because, um, you know, when we have energy, we can do, we can kind of do anything. And if we don't have it, then everything's tough. Um, I don't know if you've read, um, there's a book called Zap. Um, uh, it was by Byam and Cox. Um, where it's probably 20 years old, um, and it's one of those books. Um, it's, it's so simple uh, that you probably need, need to read it. It's, it's that good. Um, there are two things, basically, that a leader can do. You can either zap people um, or you can sap them um, of energy. <laughs> so zap them with energy or sap them of energy, and it's so, so powerful um, and so simple. And uh, I think as soon as you describe that, you know, we, we all know um, exactly, uh, you know, we know people around us, leaders and, and people around us in our personal lives who, who, who do that. And, uh, and you know, leading uh, in business especially, it's tough, right? It's, uh, it's surely more stressful now than, than maybe ever before um, for most of us. Um, you've probably heard of this acronym VUCA, volatility, uncertainty, complexity, ambiguity. I think this uh, this originally came from the U.S. military, actually, in its description of the kind of post Cold War um, kind of uh, you know terrorism and and um, the, the the military kind of landscape after the, the demise of the uh, USSR, and it's now a, a phrase that's being used to describe uh, you know, the lives that we're all living, and um, and that's true in our personal lives as well, as you know, isn't it? In terms of you know the complexity of our lives and. The digital revolution and uh, the, the the tough economic situation—it's all there. So what we need is energy to deal with all of this and um, to be resourceful and to be resilient and to then engage with our people. Uh, and so the question is, where do we get our energy from? And there's again, this is, none of this is rocket science, but I think for me there are four key areas. One is physical, you know, from our exercise regimes, from you know, and disciplines, from just regularly going out and walking, and you know, what's our diet like, what's our sleep like. Um, you'd be amazed, you know, that uh, the amount of uh, kind of when I go and start talking to, to and coaching senior leaders that we get to these kinds of conversations because it is so foundational. Um, <clears throat> you know, there's the mental element around, you know, so reading, studying and learning, you know, to what, what, what so many leaders, they, there's no time left in their lives even just to read a book just for a little bit of mental relaxation. Um, and you could include in there, you know, this whole thing around meditation and mindfulness. Then you have the fourth, the third one is social and emotional um, energy that you get from just spending time with your family and with your friends and maybe listening to your favorite music and, and seeing films that kind of stuff and then and then the last one is, is spiritual so and for some people this may be you know, religion for some it may be going to to the top of a mountain and, and having that experience of nature and for, for others it, it may be that uh, the contribution that you're making to your community or, or to society but you know it's incredible that you even though these things can sometimes take time and energy themselves they almost feed on each other and you get more energy back so um so i i I call these things wells of energy so the uh, you know wells of inspiration um there's a great book by a guy called nick williams who talks about this and um so the question is you know where do you go where are your wells of energy where are your wells of inspiration where do you go and how often um do you go there and uh, how can you start going there a little bit more often this is a question a really crucial question for for leaders and and it's a theme which uh, comes out of so much of the work that i do yeah, there's some really, really good 
thoughts in there. One of the things uh, I've I've been doing of late to do is trying to get over ten, uh, make sure that I uh, I, I do over ten thousand steps a day. Yes, yes, uh, and and also you know, ideally. It, my age group is getting eight hours of sleep, and I've got this little little band called a Jawbone Up that fits into an app in my on my iPad, and it's been incredibly helpful. And uh, unfortunately, I got sick over the last couple of weeks, but up until that point, it really got me into getting out every day and getting some exercise, and started putting fitness apps and doing those and whatever, whatever you. But the difference was was tremendous. Um, I lost weight, felt better. Well, there's a lot of research done um, that that, uh, that you know, demonstrates very clear correlations between when people do these things, um, what impact that has on their impact on their their energy levels, on their moods, um, and then you know, clearly then on their effectiveness. And uh, you know, I also have a, a kind of a, a a daily plan, if you like, and um, I, I almost treat it like a menu. I've got a number of things that I can do, and it might be a swim or a cycle or walking the dogs or yoga pilates or some meditation, um, together with you know. Um, how much uh, you know? Did I did I have actually a day off drinking? <laughs> um, I know that sounds like I've got a real problem, but uh, you know it's true. If uh, if you have a few days when you you know you go out and and socialise and have a, have a couple of you know to drink, then then you know after a few days of that, you begin to feel your body really notices, doesn't it? And um, and obviously with diet and sleep as well. So I, I kind of that's what I do. But I think you know some people um, find this harder than others, and um, it's uh, I, I always encourage people just to start small. You know, just start with one or two things, um, that little small commitments that you make to yourself. And, um, and if you just do that, it's not just the physiological benefits, but the, the psychological kind of benefits of uh, keep making and com- keeping commitments to yourself, um, which is so important. Fantastic. So we've only got uh, just a couple of minutes left now to uh, need to wrap up. But, uh, you know, quickly, what recommendations do you have to help us keep advancing towards these ideals? Yeah, you know, I mean, I've, I've talked about, you know, the five, again, humility, clarity, empathy, courage, and energy. I think um, so much of this is just about um, uh, stepping back and, and looking inside of yourself um, and, and connecting with yourself on a human level, you know, like you do when you're with your family and your loved ones. Um, you know, the real being authentic. And, um, uh, and, and you know, I guess the, um, the bottom line for me at the end of all of this and the message that, uh, you know, I, I always like to try and leave people with is, you know, the more you focus on people, um, the more you get results but you have to start um, with yourself brilliant so any final messages that was that was that was it really um, and um, but it's not easy but um, you know so if uh, yeah be gentle with yourself and um, just take it one step at a time yeah because you're obviously right you can't make massive change in a <clears throat> in a day or a week it's a it's a, it's a ongoing commitment isn't it to improving and being aware and planning and reflecting and moving forward yeah, no, exactly. And I know, Chris, you do a lot of this work as well. And, you know, that whole thing around holding yourself accountable, um, that's that's probably the toughest thing of all. Uh, no, it is, absolutely. That's why you kind of need other people to help you, <coughs> to, to help hold you accountable, because you can't do it uh, always off your own back. No, exactly. And I think that's where, you know, uh, I, I know that um, as a coach, um, that's one of the, that's one of the, strangely, that's one of the things where we can add the most value is, uh, you know, we were just coming back and being kind of almost the conscience and uh, saying, well, you said you were going to do this. So how's it going? And, and um, that sometimes we need that. We just need that kind of kick out the backside. <laughs> Definitely. We're sort of Jiminy crickets. Indeed. <laughs> but anyway, it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you today, Stuart. I really enjoyed the conversation, and I'm sure people have taken a lot of information from that. Um, so thank you. 
Thank you very much. It's been a great pleasure. You're welcome. And for more information on Stuart Pickles, you can go to www.aimhigherleadership.com. If you've got any questions or feedback, please send them to me at chris at bemoreachievemore.com. Uh, on next week's show, we have Deborah uh, uh, Swallow. Uh, Deborah is a real uh, expert in terms of um, uh, sort of cultural intelligence, and she's going to talk to us about how to raise your game to be successful in international markets. Uh, she's uh, an absolute leading authority on cultural diversity, inter- uh, cultural communication, international business practices. Uh, she works all over the world with with executives and diplomats and entrepreneurs. So do join us again for that uh, for next week's show. Uh, thank you for listening, and uh, uh, have a tremendous week. listening to be more achieve more please join your host chris cooper again next friday at 8 a.m u.s pacific time typically 4 p.m london on the voice america business channel enjoy your week thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the voice america business channel For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.